0: Well, good morning, church. Hey, would you turn and greet someone and let them know that you're glad that they're with us this morning? We're so glad that you're here. Good morning. Good to see you. Welcome to Woodlands Church. You may be seated. Welcome to all of you who are worshiping with us online. You are with us this morning on a very special weekend. This is our senior recognition weekend. We're super excited about what God has been doing. And the lives of our students and in our seniors. And I want you to know these seniors who we're recognizing today, they have been exemplary this year and leading out all throughout our church. Our seniors run our junior high ministry. They have been pouring into our junior high kids, they've been pouring into the grades and the classes behind them. And so, so many of them do such a great job of just starting out their lives and letting their lives be about the ministry and the, the love of Jesus Christ through all that they do. And so we're super proud of them. So we're going to uh, have our student pastors, Kara and Jordan, here helping me as we recognize our seniors. It's going to be an awesome time. We do ask, try to hold your applause till the end, and then we will recognize them together as a church. I know it's going to be hard for family in here, but that's okay. You can greet them, let them know that you're here. But we love them, we love our seniors, and we're going to take some time to recognize them and what they have Finished, but also get behind them on what we know God is gonna do behind them. So, Kara, our seniors. Would you remain standing for just a second? Because students, this is what I want you to remember right here. As you step out into wherever it is that the Lord is calling you, going into the majors and the degree plans and the universities across our country, and the days that follow when you first arrive on campus, and perhaps you feel more alone than ever before, and the enemy tries to convince you that you're out there and that you're alone, I want you to remember this moment, that you are not alone, that not only is your Father with you, not only is Jesus Christ standing with you, but you have a church that is standing behind you, praying for you, supporting you, holding you up, and our prayer is that you will do this, that you will simply hold to the convictions that have been poured into you by your parents and by your church from the time of your youth. That you'll remember the Bible stories, that you'll remember the convictions and the truth, and that you will cling to God's word, that you will let your life be built upon those convictions because our world, our community needs young people who are gonna stand for the faith, who are gonna stand their ground on what God has called them to do and what they know to be true. And so whether God calls you into the marketplace... God calls you into the medical field. God calls you into the military. God calls you back into ministry. Wherever God calls you, our prayer is that you would just continue to be a representation of Jesus in everything that you do, that you continue to lead out, that you'd continue to represent your families, to represent your faith, to be full of conviction and to let the love of Jesus Christ flow from you in everything that you do that you'd become the moms, dads, and leaders that we've been praying that you would become. We love you. Let's pray. Would you join me? And if you don't mind, would you just reach your hands out to them and just bless them and let's pray over them together. God, we pray for our seniors. God, we pray your deepest and richest blessings over their lives. God, we pray not just that you would Protect them, but that God, that you would also strengthen them, that you'd give them the courage to face the trials that they know, that we know are coming for them in this life, and that when hardships come, as your word said that they will, that they would not waver, that they would not falter, that they would stand firm upon the things that have been poured into them for the last 18 years. God, we love them. We trust them to you, and God, we long to see them raise up to be the young men, young women who you've prepared and called them to be. May they walk in the good works that you laid out for them before you laid the foundations of the earth. We love you and we love them. Thank you, Father, protect them. It's in your son's name I pray, amen. One more time, the graduating class of 2022. No, he will not. He will not fail. And in him we are safe. And may I just say for just a moment, for those that we love in Uvalde who are hurting, who are reeling from our state and from our country, from the things that we witnessed this week, there is a real enemy who longs to make us surrender to fear. But we will not shrink back because we know we have a firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And when the world throws things our way that we don't understand, we understand this. There's a God who loves us so much that he laid down his life on the cross for us. We claim that hope and we claim that victory. That in spite of all of the hurt and the brokenness that we see in this world, it will not last forever. We love you. Our prayers go out to you. And we will do what we know we can do to continue to change the hearts and the minds of just one more person to know the truth and the hope of Jesus Christ. We will not give in to fear. We stand firm on our firm foundation, the love of Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. God, we thank you that though we hurt, that though there is so much trouble in this world, that you remind us in your word that we can take heart because you've overcome the world. God, we place our hope in you. We do pray for the families in Uvalde who have been so affected by the tragedies that played out this week. God, may they feel and sense our prayers as we continue to lift them up, to love them. And to step out in faith one day at a time, choosing to love others the way that you love us. We thank you, Father be with us today. May our hearts be open to the truth of your word. May we leave this place that much more confident of the hope that we have in you. We thank you. It's in your sons and we pray. And we all said, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Well, good morning. It's tough a little bit to be able to see our seniors, our graduating class of 2022 come onto this stage who As a student ministry, we've been pouring into for the last six years, for some of them for their entire lives as they've come through WC Kids, and then to try to to gather ourselves and to get behind it, but it also is a great inspiration to remember the incredible opportunity that we have as a church to continue to send out generation after generation of missionaries in the name of Jesus Christ. It's an incredible thing, and it's an incredible time. But as I think about my ministry into the lives of students over the last several years, as I think about my ministry into the hearts of fellow church members, moms and dads, and our congregation as a whole, you know, I think about the general principle that I see from birth through our last days on earth. That one of the things that the enemy surely wants to hold us in, and one of the things that we battle in throughout all the days of our lives, is the principles of fear. And as we begin to look into a really powerful passage this weekend, I think it's really important to stop and have an honest assessment of ourselves before we can step into the truth that God has for us this morning. And it's this question. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? What is it in the last week or months or years, things that have come up in our lives, in our personal lives, in our families, or in our society that have come up, that have caused you to get so frustrated, to get so uh, uh, um, caught up in the moment that perhaps though in your heart you knew what was right to do, that in the moment you bent to the ways of this world. What is the thing that grips you, the addiction or the fear of what people may think of you What is the thing that holds you? What are you afraid of? I think it's important to ask that question as we look and we try to step into and to the life of faith that God is calling us to. And it's important as we think about that, that we also take time on this Memorial Day weekend to think about those who have faced fear who have gone before us. And One of my favorite things to do is to hear stories of some of the heroes of some of the past wars that our country has been in. And one such story is the story of four chaplains who were aboard the USAT Dorchester in 1945 in the midst of World War II. Four men who met at chaplain school at Harvard University where they were studying to become chaplains to serve in the Army, who built a bond before they ever boarded the Dorchester. And when they built, uh, boarded the Dorchester, they were helping issue 920 men across the Atlantic onto the front lines. And as they began this journey, they knew that their ship was gonna be going through what was commonly known as Torpedo Junction, where the German U-boats had been taking down boat after boat after boat. Well, as they traveled through the night on February 2nd into February 3rd, One of the ships that was escorting them picked up on their radar that a German U-boat was there. And many of the men upon that boat remembered these four chaplains who were spreading themselves out amongst the men, constantly speaking in a calm voice, offering them spiritual guidance and prayers and helping them to be focused when the captain came over the loudspeaker and warned the men to sleep in their life vest because a German U-boat had been spotted, because they were only 150 miles from their destination, many of the men went to sleep confident that they were going to reach their destination and therefore they took off their life vest because it was piping hot under and freezing cold up on deck because so many men had been crammed into this little vessel that was taking far more than what it had actually been designed to do. And so hot, sweaty messes, many of them slept in hardly anything but their life jacket and because that was too warm, they would take their life jackets off as well. Well, as the night turned into February 3rd on that morning of February 3rd, sure enough, a German U-boat let a torpedo go and it struck the Dorchester right in the side, killing 100 men on impact. And the boat began to fill with water Men, and then the chaos ensued, men trying to scramble from their bunks to get up topside to be able to get to the, to the lifeboats and be able to get out. And the chaos, as the chaos ensued, many of the men referenced four chaplains who stayed below deck, speaking calmly and encouraging men to move in an orderly fashion and to move up armed with nothing but their Bible and the hope that they carried in their hearts. One man who was disoriented and knew that it was cold outside as his bunk room had already been filled with icy water of the Atlantic was heading back to his room to try to get some gloves disoriented. And one of the chaplains, Alex Good, stopped him and said, where are you going, friend? He said, I got to go back to my cabin to get some gloves. Alex Good took off his gloves and said, here, take these. And the petty officer said, I can't, I can't take your gloves. You'll freeze. And he said, don't worry, I've got an extra pair. Later, Petty Officer Mahoney said he realized that didn't make any sense. There's no way he had an extra pair. But he was more concerned for my safety than he was his own. The four chaplains remained below deck until every man that they could had gotten above deck. And then the four chaplains emerged above the deck onto the icy deck as the water was already crashing over the waves of the Dorchesters just 25 minutes after it had been struck by the torpedo. When they got up on deck, they realized that their mission was not over because chaos was all around them. Lifeboats were drifting away, men heading off, trying to to get away, men jumping overboard, but the four chaplains remained calm, helping men get into lifeboats. Instead of fearing for their own lives, the four chaplains made their way over to the lockers that were holding the spare life jackets and were opening them and passing them out to men and encouraging them to get to the nearest lifeboat. Life jacket after life jacket after life jacket, they passed out to one man after another until there was now just a small group of men left and the men that were standing there recalled when the life jacket locker ran empty. And many of the officers remembered the four chaplains in unison taking off their own life jackets and giving them to four more men so that they might have an opportunity to be rescued. And as the lifeboat's continued to try to get away from the Dorchester that they might too not be taken down by the swell. Men that were in the ocean and swimming, as you can imagine, the chaos and the screaming and things that were being barked and ordered and yelling going around. The lifeboats that were paddling away heard a unique thing behind them. As the Dorchester was just minutes from going under, they looked back to see four men, four chaplains linked arm in arm Hands on the railing, screaming out, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They continued to raise up the name of God and to offer confidence to those who were away from the boat. They followed that by song, singing. And that's what they remembered. One man who was rescued had this to say about it. It's the finest thing I've ever seen, this side of heaven. Isn't that what we want to be known for? That in the midst of the most tumultuous situations that we could possibly find ourselves in, being able to be counted amongst those who give people a true glimpse of heaven, a confidence that this isn't really our home, that our home is in heaven, And that while we live this life, we have the opportunity to live a life of courage. I think about those kinds of stories, but I'm reminded of the fact that while we have some of those incredible American heroic stories that we also find those kinds of heroic stories in scripture. One particular passage, which is one of my favorite stories, comes from the book of Joshua. And I wanna remind you that This story comes during a time of when the nation of Israel, when they had escaped uh, slavery in Egypt, when they had walked across the Red Sea under Moses' leadership and were on their way to the promised land, they came to the Jordan River and they sent 12 spies across the Jordan River into the promised land to spy out the land before they moved across. Two of those spies were Joshua and Caleb who were sent amongst the 12, one representation from each tribe. And when they went across the land, they saw the incredible land that was flowing with milk and honey, but they also saw that there were giants, that there was a formidable enemy in the land. And so when they came back, The 10 that were with them who saw that and saw the giants and saw the enemies reported the incredible giants that were there and the cities that were there, the fortified cities. And they said, we can't go in there. We don't have trained soldiers and trained warriors. Yes, the land is wonderful, but the enemy is too great. But Joshua and Caleb said, yes, there are enemies in the land, but our God is greater. We can take the day. But Moses and the people yielded to the fears of the 10. And so they ended up having to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years while God raised up a new generation who would have faith and confidence in him that would be led into the promised land by Joshua. The whole book of Joshua is the story of the conquest of the nation of Israel as they moved into the land which God had promised them and God brought about an incredible victory on behalf of his people. And then we see Caleb, at 85 years old, laying hold of the promise of God. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And I want to read with you a story, a passage from Joshua chapter 14, verses six through 14, of the courage of Caleb. Let me read this to you. It says this, now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, you know, What the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me. Remember when they came back and they gave the good report? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land, referencing when he was a spy. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. Note, I wanna be a person who's able to constantly speak to others according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites, Caleb recalls, who went up with me, made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, underline these words if you're taking notes, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old, and I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite ever since because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We wanna be known as a people who follow you wholeheartedly, with everything that we are, that God, we pray that we become known as a people who are full of faith, full of the confidence of your goodness and your presence, and a conviction to hold on to the truth of your promises in our lives and everything that we do. We love you. We give this to you. It's in your sons and we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I think about that, that confidence and that that vigor that Caleb had after having seen the Lord keep him alive for 45 years through battle after battle, he said, I know that the Lord has fulfilled his promise to keep me alive to this day, so give me that which the Lord has promised. I love how connected and committed he was to the understanding of the Lord's promises. I love the convictions of Caleb on how he would not do what I am confident the enemies longed for him to do, what the 10 men tried to peer pressure him in to do and what you and I often feel compelled to do and that is to compromise with fear. But we cannot. It is time for us as a church to rise up more than ever before and to refuse to compromise with fear. But that can be hard. It can be hard because I have found that in my own heart and in my own life that there are many of things that hold my heart in fear, namely scary movies. I hate them. Are you with me? Like, I do not like jump scenes, scary movies, okay? Anything that's like in the horror category, I'm never gonna watch, okay? Um, I have a hard enough time just watching even kiddie scary things, right? Like, even like Scooby-Doo, I'm like, nope, not for me, okay? Um, Too many uh, terrifying things in there. The guy that always has the mask on, I'm creeped out until the end, okay? And then it'll give me nightmares for a few days. I used to have a gorilla that would chase me around in my nightmares, it was horrible. There's so many things that can catch you and be you afraid. I know that for me, in competition, sometimes I can find myself afraid. In silly games, like laser tag, I'm like, I don't want anyone to get my buzzers, okay? Like, um, trying to stay away from moments and that kind of stuff. But I remember, especially as a teenager, one of the things that often would just, I would go out with such confidence, and it was such a fun thing, but it also would fill me with fear, is just the game paintball. Do you remember paintball? I feel like all paintball fields and stuff have gone away, but we used to go play paintball all the time. It used to be like the birthday party thing was to go play paintball. And I remember if you would go play paintball, for those of you who remember, there was kind of two groups of people that would go and play paintball. There was the birthday parties, and then there were the pros. And, and what you would think is, is you would think that any awesome paintball field director would be like, okay, hey, we're going to put the pros over here on this field, and we're going to put the 15-year-old birthday party over here on this field. No, no, no. They'd put us all on the same field. It was just pros and and birthday parties out there together. And I remember getting my my hopper all full of paintballs and getting out there with such excitement as we were gonna go play a big game of capture the flag. And the whole principle was to storm the other team's tower that had a red flag on their side. You were a red team and a blue team as they were trying to storm your tower and capture your blue flag. And so I remember the game started and me and my friends, we were all hyped up. We didn't care who we were going against. We knew that a lot of the pros were on the other team who had like sponsors all over their vests and everything, right? And it's like, this is probably not gonna go good. But in our 50-year-old minds, we were pros too, right? And so we got out there and we were running. And, and so the first thing that we did, if you remember this is what you do when you're 15 year you're playing paintball, you just take the longest way around possible through the woods, right? You're walking through stickers or whatever you can just to make sure that you're not going where the pros are. And so we took the longest way around, probably out of bounds and over creeks and rivers, whatever it took. But then we came and the other team's tower was in sight with the red flag on top. Me and five of my 15-year-old friends, we were so full of confidence this was gonna be our day. We were gonna win it for our team. And so two of my buddies said, okay, we're gonna go left. And two of my buddies said, okay, we're gonna go right. And Mark, you go down the middle and charge the tower. It's like, okay, I'll do it. Let's go. Let's go. And so two of them bolted out to the left, two of them bolted out to the right, and then it was my moment. And at that moment, one of the pros, I think they spotted me. Because all of a sudden, paint was flying all around me. And so as I took one step forward, I just immediately hunkered down behind a big giant piece of plywood, and there was paint just hitting every tree around me. I was like, it's a pro, it's probably a retired Army veteran. Now I know it. It's a Navy SEAL, he found me. <laughs> And so I'm just hunkered there. I'm just pinned down behind this piece of plywood. My buddies, I hear laughing and all kinds of stuff happening on the field. I'm not laughing. I'm just hunkered behind my piece of plywood, thinking about and imagining this incredible uh, veteran Marine who's now coming down on my position. What I didn't realize is the paint was flying. Is that he was advancing on me, or she um, was advancing on me? And I just sat behind that piece of plywood. playing up in my head what was on the other side. I heard the sweetest little voice behind me. If you just raise your hands, I'll let you walk off the field. (laughs) I've never put my hands up so fast in my life. I was like, okay, I'll walk off. And just walked off the field and they continued to play. And you know what? I was 15. I got to show myself some grace. I'm not 15 anymore. And yet in real life situations, I find myself all too often giving in to fear. But I love what it said about Caleb's story. He says, then I brought back a report to Moses according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of people melt in fear. I don't want the way that I live my life to cause other believers to shrink back in fear when we have the opportunity to stand for what is right. I wanna live my life according to my convictions, refusing to compromise with fear. And what is it that we fear? I'm a little embarrassed to say, to be honest, what it is that I fear. Because I know what it is that I fear and it's probably pretty in alignment with what it is that you fear. What I truly fear is losing my quality of life. It's the way that things are just comfortable for me. I like it when I don't ruffle feathers on the baseball team and am willing to just do whatever it takes to make sure that even if it doesn't fit our financial plans or even if it doesn't fit our church plans, I'm still gonna do whatever it takes to get my kid there so that the team doesn't think differently of me. I like the way that it feels when when my family is talking about a, a tense subject or whatever and I just go along with everyone so that I don't make anybody upset and I don't offend anyone and I just go along with things that sometimes I know aren't right. When I hear people getting behind a joke or laughing or talking about things or getting into coarse humor that oftentimes I tend to just want to be a part of it or just laugh and stay off to the sidelines and not jump into that for the fear that someone might look at me and just choose to say, you know what, generally I don't like the way that Mark is. Or, I don't want to be around him, and oh my gosh, that just captures my heart and oftentimes makes me shrink back in fear from standing from what I know is right. It's oftentimes not about losing my actual life. It's just losing my quality of life. Can it be that simple? If it is, then I want to make a new commitment today with you. Here with you. No more. Today we become known as a church. Today I become known as a dad and a husband who continues to grow in a confident faith that refuses to bow down to convictions. I love what Paul said to the church in Hebrews. At least we believe it's Paul. And he said this, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will have received what he has promised. You see, there are promises of God that are there for us. But in order to lay hold of those promises, we need to persevere on what we know to be true. We have to lay firm to our convictions and choose instead of being full of fear to be wholly full of faith. To be full of faith. I love what Joshua said when he says, I, however, followed the Lord my God, catch this word, he said it three times, wholeheartedly. I want to be the kind of person who is known, I've got a, a bowl full of coffee beans here, because I love coffee, but in general, this principle of wholeheartedly following the Lord is the idea of taking a handful of something and being so full of it, as you see beans are falling out of my hands, so that when the opportunity, when it's like, oh man, what are people gonna think of me? I need to try to lay hold of that fear. There's no room for me to lay hold of that fear, because my hands are fully wrapped around the faith and the confidence of the promises that the Lord has laid out for me that if I do not bend to the left or to the right, if I stand firm upon God, that his promise will be true, that he will never leave me, he will never forsake me, he will stand with me. And I want my kids to be able to grow up and to be able to see a dad who lived out his life according to those convictions that he was so full of faith that he didn't have room to lay hold of any kind of fear what people thought of him because he had laid hold of what God's calling and purpose on his life was. But I love what Chris Shook shared a few weeks ago in her Mother's Day message, if you didn't hear it. It stuck with me and it has rung true to me and I'm trying to live my life according to this principle when she said this. The truth that we are trying to pass along to our kids is not a lesson to be learned. It is a person to be known and his name is Jesus Christ. And our kids are not gonna follow the things that we tell them to do. They're gonna follow the life that they watch us live. The way that we choose to refuse to be pinned down by fear and instead to rise up and to tackle fear, to stand for what we know is right, to walk humbly with God, to be a person full of love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And to let them see that the reason we are becoming more and more like that is because we are spending more and more time with Jesus and what we're ending up doing as our life is just looking more like him because that's what we're making a commitment to be a part of. And I am more convinced than ever before that for me and the stage of life that I'm in, that the conviction that I am holding very near and dear to my heart comes from Proverbs 22:6, six, that says this, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I am more convinced than ever that that promise is true for you and for me, that we have a job and it is to train up the next generation in the way that they should go. And if we do, they will not depart from it. And that what our kids are watching is they are watching the way that we live our life more than the things that we say. And each of us has a role in that. Grandparents, parents, people who are a part of the church as a whole, serving in their student ministry, serving in the children's ministry. These seniors who we recognize today are stepping out in faith and in confidence like never before because of a church who has trained them in the way that they should go. And I'm more confident than ever before that they will not depart from it because God's word has laid seed, has laid root in their heart. And that's our job. That's what I want to be known for. I wanna be known as a dad, as a husband, in front of my kids who is living out my life in such a way that my kids are watching me live according to my convictions, that it sinks deep into their hearts and that the Holy Spirit is able to remind them as to what they should do in an every circumstance because all they have to do is to say, if I do what dad did, I'm probably gonna be doing something close to what Jesus did. I have the example in front of me and the way that my father lived out his life as Paul said to the church in Corinthians that what we should be able to say to to our kids is if you want to get closer to Jesus, just come do as I do. Not do what I say, follow me in my footsteps. Watch me as I make church a priority. Watch me as I make serving God's kingdom a priority. Watch me as I put God first in my finances. Watch me as I put God first in my workplace and in our business and in the choices that we make and the way that we spend our time. Watch me as I get up every day and spend time in God's word. Watch me every day as I spend time putting others before myself and loving others and opening up a home to make it a safe place and to make people feel loved and to make people feel connected because I don't want you to do what I say. I want you to come follow me as you do what I do. That's who I wanna be known as. And that's who we are as a church. That's why I love this church, because that is who we are, and that is what we stand for. And it's important that we do that because our kids are watching, and God's word it backs this. In Hebrews 10, 37 through 39, it says this. Paul reminds us, for in just a little while, he who, he who is coming will come and will not delay. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes, I want him to find me and my boys faithful. I know that I have a primary purpose right now and it is to raise up my boys to be mighty warriors for God's kingdom and to be invested into your kids as your student pastor and as your children's pastor and as your pastor to raise each other up and to hold each other accountable to a life that when God comes, he will find us doing what we were supposed to be doing. And he says this, and but my righteous one, My righteous ones, Jesus said, as he spoke through the prophets, will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. And God, may I say, I am sorry for the times in which I've shrunk back. And instead of in front of my boys, and in front of our church, standing for what I know to be true, in any way that I have bent to the ways of this world to make my life more comfortable, God, I'm sorry, and may you see a church and may you see a pastor who from this day forward refuses to shrink back, but instead chooses to rise up because it's time to stand up and to lay hold of the promises of God. Don't you know that's where Caleb's faith came from? He says this in Joshua 14:12. He said, now give me this hill country. Give me our kids back. Give us my marriage back that you promised, that the Lord promised from that day. You yourself heard that then, that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. With the Lord helping me, I will humble myself to ask my spouse for forgiveness and to get things right and to get things moving back in the right direction. With the Lord helping me, I will not give back on my kid and the things of this world that are gripping their heart, that are laying hold of them, we will win them back in the name of Jesus Christ because the God who has been there for me will carry through to live out his promises that he has in front of me. My kids are not too far gone. My marriage is not too far gone. This ministry is not too far gone. I just need to continue to be faithful, to step into the promises that God has had for me. And the same God who has been there for us throughout history, the same God who has been there for my family and my past is with me and he is here today. And as it says in Hebrews ten thirty nine, Paul reminds them of this, and, but, and this is who our church is. We are not the church that shrinks back. Instead, we are this. We do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. But to those who have faith and are saved, that's what we are. And I look at this church and I look at summer and I think about the summer camps that we have coming up. And I think about the countless hundreds of families who have invested and are involved of saying, you know what, something, we're gonna take a stand in our family and our kid's gonna be at camp and our kid's gonna be at VBS because we're gonna make going to church a priority in our life. And we're gonna have to say no to this sporting team because sports are good, but we also know that we want our kids to stand firm for Christ in their sports. So we're gonna make an effort and we're gonna make a sacrifice. We're gonna say, hey, listen, as a witness to you, while we are committed to this team, we're also sending our kid to go be a part of a place where they're gonna grow and they're gonna strengthen their firm foundation in Jesus Christ. And there's hundreds of families that are doing that. But beyond that, there are also hundreds of families in this church who said, hey, Mark, we wanna get behind you and your student pastor team and we wanna get behind the amazing volunteers who are out there getting after kids. And hundreds of you are stepping up saying, hey, Mark, I don't have a kid to send, but I do have financial resources. You go get one more kid and we'll make sure that they can get there. And they're out there and you can do it after this service today to get behind us and say, hey, go get one more kid and here's the financial resources to make sure that that kid has the capacity to get to camp. But then beyond that, there are hundreds of families who are saying, Mark, we don't have the financial resources, but my student knows three kids and we're gonna bring them to you and we're gonna figure out a way to get them to camp. Because why? Because we know that when we give students five days of undivided attention to the Lord, God gets a hold of their hearts and he changes their lives. And we've seen it happening summer after summer so that we now have over 1,200 kids who are signed up for our summer camp programs. We have over 2,000 kids who are gonna be here for vacation Bible study this summer who are gonna have God's word poured into them because our church is known for not shrinking back in fear, but stepping out in faith, believing that God's gonna do what he said he would do if we invest into our kids' lives the way that he said that we should, that they will become grounded in God's word and they will not go away from it. And I love you for it. And I love partnering with you in ministry and raising up the next generation to stand for what's good. I don't wanna be pinned down anymore by fear. After my 15th birthday party, whoever's 15th birthday party it was, I remember that there was a time later when we went back out to play paintball again. And in a similar way, I found myself pinned down thinking another pro had found me. And then one of my brother's friends came to the same bunker that I was in. And he said, what are you doing? I was like, I'm holding down the back. <laughs> He's like, let's advance. I said, why? I'm good right here. And he said, because it's fun to move forward. It makes me think of John ten ten that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life in all of its fullness. And I said, I don't know what to do. He said, don't worry, just follow me. And all of a sudden, he began to just pop around that bunker and just move forward towards the flag. And I don't know what happened, but watching him move filled me with confidence and I just began to follow him. And we moved forward. Did we win? Did we lose? Don't know. But I know this. I had fun stepping out in faith over shrinking back in fear and remaining pinned down. It's time to rise up. It's time to stand for what we know is true, to do what is right, to walk humbly with our God and to be able to say this to the world around us, the same thing that Joshua spoke back to the Israelites when he said this. Hey, families, as he was at the end of his life, and sin and idolatry had begun to creep its way back into its people, that the God who had delivered them from all of their enemies was beginning to lose his influence over the hearts and minds of his people as they were turning to the God of their time. No different than we can turn to the gods of our times, all of the things that are vying for our time and our attention over the goodness of God. And Joshua said at the end of his life, he said, you choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether it's the God of your ancestors or whether it's the gods of the people of this land, those things which are vying for your time and for your attention. But then Joshua spoke up a word of courage that I want to be my testimony to you and I know it's the testimony in your hearts as well. You choose whom you will serve, but Joshua finished by saying this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my household, church will be a priority. But as for me and my household, we will stand for loving others and putting others before ourselves. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And have I always done it perfectly? No, but I will not be penned down any longer. It's time to rise up. And as for me and my house, we say as one house under God, I know I speak on behalf of you. We will serve the Lord. Would you pray with me? What is it that you're afraid of? Whatever it may be, may I just encourage you that it's time to speak back into that fear. The promises of God. He will never leave you. and He will never forsake you. He works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If you continue to train up that child in the way that he should go, they will never depart from it. And that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believed in him will not perish but experience eternal life. Those promises and the other 7,000 of them in scripture is what fills us with hope. So world, we love you. But we will not follow you because we know that our way that we show that we love you is by choosing to live our lives differently, that you might escape the traps and the lies of the enemy and instead choose to find your hope in Jesus. God, we love you because you loved us first with such a love. May you see the way that we live our lives. Because God, we're charging to find that one more. We give our lives to you. We give our week to you. We give this day to you. It's in your son's and we pray, amen. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.